building on a full and accurate truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the scriptures speak. This is the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Alexander Ortiz. I'm here with my co-host, Christian Lopez. Hello. And you have arrived at the Relentlessly Biblical Podcast, where the conversation is always the Bible. And we're pretty psyched about that. We've got a good episode um, today, and it's the episode 23 is going to be about the road to Emmaus. And I got to tell you, Christian, this is an important chapter for me. It's a real mile, milestone in, our, in my ministry when I... I heard John MacArthur preach this, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. When I heard him preach this and, and the stuff that I got out of this chapter, it was life-changing, bro. Yeah. It really was. There's a lot in the road to Emmaus in this chapter, in, in, uh, in um, the book of Luke, chapter 24. We're going to go from uh, verse 13 all the way down to the uh, verse 35. But before we do that, um, we kind of pride ourselves, Christian, as you know, on this podcast really being an ongoing conversation. And you've heard it from us listeners, and we're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. But you've heard this from us before that it really is an outgrowth of the conversations we have as family, as conversations that we have with our friends. I mean, just about everywhere we go, Christian, I yeah. mean, small talk doesn't really last too long. And, and right away, we're, we're into the biblical stuff because that's where we want to be. That's where we want to spend our time. And um, I recently had a trip that I went to Boston in Massachusetts here in the States and um, talked to some young people, young people in my own family. And believe it or not, and, and I don't know why I was so surprised, Christian, but they were interested in the Bible. Yeah. And I guess the shock of that is that most kids nowadays are like it's into so many other things that the Bible is not a concern. But some of the, our family members, some of the young adults in our family were, were Bible curious, if I can say that. And so I introduced them to the podcast. And let me tell you something. They've been thrown down and listening like crazy. So it, it made me understand how important it is that in our conversations that we're sharing this podcast with others. And it, it doesn't just have to be our podcast, although we want to encourage you that if you're not sharing what we're teaching here, please do share it because it makes an impact. It really makes an impact. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, sharing um, our faith with others. It's kind of along the lines of what we did in our our episodes, you know, how to share the gospel parts one and two, a little bit yeah. of that, just real quick before we get into our teaching, because that's it's important to cover. I, I want to make sure that I, I'm, in, I, I'm encouraging our listeners, Christian, to just share what we have. Because if we're just putting this stuff into our ears every month and keeping it to ourselves, we're really robbing ourselves of, of opportunities. I've, been, I've had some wonderful opportunities within the last few weeks to share it with some people, and it's really been a blessing. People are seeking. People are, are, are looking. And you got to be courageous, and you got to engage in substantial conversations. And, and all of you know that when you talk to people, the small talk is plentiful. And I'm, I'm, I just want to encourage everyone to kind of navigate around that and ensure that your conversations have purpose. Yeah. You know, yep. that, that when you engage people, family, friends, people at work, make sure that there's purpose. And there's a way to go doing it, to, to, to do that. I mean, most of the time when we engage people, Christian, what do we talk about? We talk about ourselves. I mean, that's just human nature. I want to encourage everyone out there to just start looking at the other person. 
ask other people about their lives and, and how they feel about certain things in their lives. We, we have a message that's so important that we should be seeking not to talk about ourselves, but to talk about our Savior, to talk about our faith, to talk about this Bible that we hold in such high regard. And people are responding to it. we got to strive to move beyond the, the, the small talk and just ask deep questions. For instance, I mean, if you meet a lawyer, okay, you know, you can talk about your career if you want to, but, you know, you go in a different direction. Like, hey, why did you chose, choose to go to law school? Yeah. And then just kind of shut up at that point and listen to that person. You would be surprised just exactly how much of their life people share. Yeah. When you just ask probing questions like, you know, what is it that you love about your job? Or if they share an experience, it says, well, how did you feel about that? And then just listen to what people have to say. And, and you connect with people it, 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 and invites them to get closer to you. And it makes them more open to listening to what you have to say. Are you feeling what I'm saying, Christian? Oh, yeah, I totally understand that. So I just want to encourage people out there to be a little daring, to be a little bit more courageous and start asking people about themselves. And, and, and when they share something with you, say, hey, listen, just how did that make you feel? And you'd be surprised. People, you know, for instance, the, 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 the question I just gave you, I mean, why did you become a lawyer? I mean, people will get into, well, I wanted to make more money. I wanted to support a family. I didn't want to live in this area. And the only way to get, I mean, this, you'd be surprised what people divulge of themselves. And then you've got a yeah. whole bunch of stuff to talk about. And it's not about you. And it's about them. And it'll open them up for you to listen to what you've got to say. And then share that joy that you have, you know? Yeah, and use that opportunity as you're listening to them to ask the Lord to, you know, direct you and how to open up that conversation to talk about the Lord. And uh, you'd be surprised what scripture comes to mind when you're talking with a person about their life and how the Spirit just directs you to um, open up in a conversation about the gospel. Yeah, ask people about what they believe. What are their, what do they value in their life? You know, what, what are their experience? What are their thoughts on something? Someone shares something with you, you go, really? That's interesting. Or if you want to share something with you, what are your thoughts on this? And, and then just, you know, shut up and listen. You'd be surprised. And when you connect with folks, man, do we have something to share with when we share this Bible? Yep. When we share this word of God, let me tell you something. And my experience, and I, I was fired up about it, that these young kids were looking and listening and they've been paying attention because, you know, there's a lot out there to grab attention of these young folks out there. And I was just thrilled to see that they were like, I'm interested in studying it. That's awesome. Great. Well, let's talk about it. Let's here's what you need to do and here's where you need to go. So listeners, we're thankful that you're there and we know that you're listening to us on a regular basis. We drop this podcast every first Sunday of the month and guess what? You guys are there and we're across the globe. I mean, we just, I just saw Denmark pop up in our uh, uh, statistics today. I don't think we've even been there yet. So, I mean, it's, it's all over the place, but be bold, folks. Be bold. Invite people to connect with you by talking to them about themselves. People are are in need and they are looking and i know that's hard for some folks but you know what when when you're in your bible and you understand your bible you'll have the courage to know about to talk about what you believe because you you believe it with all your heart and you'll speak from your heart and that's all i got to say about that so it's not really not a psa it was more kind of like an encouragement for our listeners because i just want to make sure people out there sharing a podcast and sharing the word of god with people 
But we're going to go into the book of Luke, and we're going to read the road to Emmaus, like I said, verse 13 through 35. But before we do that, I want to set some context, because before I read it, we've got to talk about what's been going on at this point. As you know, the road to Emmaus is Luke's, I think it's Luke's first, um, um, actually, uh, the second uh, time that he talks about the risen Christ and how he has risen from the grave. The events that led up to his crucifixion, we all know, of course. And where we, we approach Luke 24, by this time, Jesus has been, he's been crucified. He's been buried, and he has, has risen from the dead, just as he promised. And we see that at the end of, uh, of um, chapter 23 and the beginning of uh, chapter 24. So here it is. It's the third day after Jesus has been crucified. And Joseph of Arimathea, of course, he goes in, in, chapter verse, in verse 50 of chapter 30, uh, 23, this is the man who went before the council. He was a righteous man, according to the Bible, and he went and claimed Jesus' body. This is a man that really wasn't with the whole thing of crucifying and condemning Jesus, and he was basically uh, a believer, and no one knew it. He came out from the dark, and he said, I'd like to claim his body, and he wrapped him, and they wrapped him and put him in his, in his um, um, burial site into his tomb, a place where no one had been laid before, and that was a prophecy fulfilled. That the, that the Old Testament uh, talked about. And in verse 54 of chapter 23, it was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the women, now these are women who followed Jesus, who had come with him from Galilee. They went with Joseph of Arimathea from Galilee and followed, and they beheld the tomb where the body was laid. So there's a bunch of people that went to bury our Lord in this new tomb. And they came the next day, verse 56, Then after they returned, they prepared spices and perfume, and on a Sabbath they rested according to uh, the commandments. So on the next, next week, the next first day of the next week, because that was a Saturday going into, an, uh, uh, after Sabbath going into a new week, verse 21, ver, I mean, verse 1 of 24 says, Now on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices, which had been prepared, and they found that the stone was rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood near them, dazzling in dazzling clothing. And when the women, and the, when the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the man said to them, "Why do you seek the living one among the dead?" That's verse five in chapter twenty-four. He is not here, the angel said, but he has risen. And they go on to say, remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee, saying, verse 7, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and rise again on the third day. And the women remembered the words and they returned to the tomb and they, from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven apostles and all the rest of his disciples. Now Mary Magdalene, verse 10 and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the rest of the women with them. It's funny that Jesus Christ revealed himself to women first. I find yeah. that very interesting. They were telling all these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to these men as nonsense. So here's the risen Christ, Christian. Angels have told these women, what are you looking for him here? He said he wasn't going to be here. He told you he would rise on the third day. Right. You're looking for the living among the dead. 
and they see it as nonsense. And then Peter stood up and ran to the tomb, stooping in, saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away by himself, marveling at what had happened. And that's pretty much the setup for chapter for, for the verses that we're going to read in chapter 24. So that's what leads up to this road to Emmaus. And we'll go on reading from verse 13 on. And behold, two of them were going that same day to the village called Emmaus. And I'll stop right there for a moment. Two of them, two of who? Two of these people who were with these women mm-hmm. at the tomb who went to see what these women were talking about. And remember, the men found this to be nonsense. They really didn't make anything of it. They were unbelieving, Christian. So these are the two men who were part of that gang that went with the women, heard from the women what had happened, heard about the angels, heard about what the angels had proclaimed, and they still were unbelieving. Verse 14, and they were conversing with each other about these things. Now, these are the two men walking down a road about what things have had happened. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself approached and was going with them. Verse 16, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are discussing with one another as you are walking? And he stood still, looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things of which happened here in these days? And he said to him, this is Jesus talking, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a mighty prophet indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people and how the chief priests, our rulers, delivered him to sentence and death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us astounded us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and not finding his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also said, but him we did not see. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted, and this is he being Jesus, as though he were going further. But they argued with him, they urged him strongly, the two men urged him strongly, verse 29, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. And it happened that when they reclined at the table with him, he took bread and blessed it, and after breaking it and giving it to them, then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while we were speaking, while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? And they stood up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and all those with them who were saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they were relating their experiences on the road and how he recognized them with the breaking of the bread. Now, I've got to say that 
this is this is a very there's a lot here in 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 this chapter, Christian. The fact that 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 what highlights to me what comes out of this is just how the Lord shows up. And first of all, they don't know who he is, right? These two men come the same day they're going to the town uh, called Emmaus, which I did a little digging, Christian. There's actually no Emmaus is, uh, that exists today, and there's speculation about where that town is. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa. Of course there is. <laughs> in the Lehigh Valley, there's Emmaus, and we know a bunch about it. Yeah, well, well, we live in Pennsylvania, Lehigh Valley. There's actually a town called Emmaus, so we found it. <laughs> actually, we, we're, we're blessed to live in a region of the United States where there's, at least in this part of Pennsylvania, there's a few towns that have biblical names. You have a Bethlehem. We have a um, Nazareth, and we have Emmaus, and maybe more. But um, but that this is the town that these men were were coming home from. Now let's put some more context around this because these men were going home that day, and they were going to their home in Emmaus because Passover had just happened. Yeah, and all these events that had happened in Jerusalem had just happened. Now Emmaus is what it says here is sixty sixty stadia in verse thirteen is about seven miles, if we do the math right. from Jerusalem. So they had a good few hours walk from Jerusalem to their home, and and verse fourteen said that they were conversing with each other about the things that had happened and what had happened. Jesus was crucified, right? Well, beyond that, I mean, he entered the city, correct? He was he was praised as the son of David, the coming king. Hosanna in the highest. They thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And, and Jesus cleaned out the temple. I mean, this is like when you talk about a week in, Jer- in this life of the city of Jerusalem, this is quite a week. Yeah. He came in this 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 parade and people greeted him as king. He overturned the tables at the temple yet again. And then for the rest of the week. He spends in the temple pretty much taking it over and just teaching. Yeah. And he meets with his disciples, of course, in the upper room. The betrayal happens. I mean, these are all events that everyone knows about. And we, we see that later on when a stranger shows up. They're like amazed. Like, you know, you don't know what's been going on. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on. So these men here in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, is, are, are kind of talking about these things and trying to figure out what happened. And so in verse 15, it says, Christian, that it happened that as they were conversing, Jesus himself approached and was going with them. Okay. Now, if you're sitting there debating about what happens, I, I right away thought about our family. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we have debates in our family about like, you know, what's right or what's wrong, I grab my Bible. I say, well, let's see what the Bible says. You know, I, I, I think of these men walking down a road and debating. I mean, wasn't there not an Old Testament among them? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They must have been. I mean, if they're going into Jerusalem for Passover, they must have some kind of scripture with them. And scripture we know, of course, in those days was the Old Testament. But they're sitting there debating and, and, and talking amongst themselves. And I just said, wow, what a wonderful opportunity to pull the Bible out. Okay. Right. So Jesus shows up and he himself approached these men, verse 15. But verse 16 says that their eyes were preventing from recognizing him. Now, why would Jesus do that? Here's Jesus resurrected as he promised. Why isn't he showing up in Jerusalem in the middle of the temple and saying, I'm back? I think it's very interesting that our Lord chose to, to, to expose him, himself in such a way where he's not going in the middle of town and saying, here I am. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, a, what an obscure way to, to kind of show yourself. 
and and here he is and, and not only does he show up but he shows up in in a way that they don't even recognize him that obviously something supernatural happening here too christian that the lord is preventing them <clears throat> from recognizing who he is the one thing that uh you know as you're reading this that i'm thinking about is the fact that this account of the road to maze is so detailed I mean, we know that Luke obviously writes a detailed account of, you know, this gospel. Um, and, you know, what makes me what, what it makes me think of is, um, you know, it could have been possible that Luke, when he was recording these events that took place in Jesus life, got this specific account directly from Cleopas. Because I mean, he's mentioned by name. Yeah, he's mentioned by name. That's number very one. likely. And he also, uh, if you go back to Mark sixteen twelve, it briefly mentions this uh, occasion. It says two of them were walking on the road, but right. it doesn't go any in, in any detail. So I think it's 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 this is very. The reason I say that is because it has to be so significant. This account has to be so significant that Luke had to write it. I'll go even beyond that, Christian. The fact that he's mentioning Cleopas uh, later on in verse 18 means that when he's writing to this audience, remember, always think context when you're thinking about these these gospels and these epistles in the New Testament. There's an audience that we're trying to that he's trying to reach here. They must have known this story from Cleopas. Now, you know, they it may have been familiar to them. Yeah. They the Cleopas. Let me tell you something. If I'm Cleopas and the Lord shows up right. and I go through this years later, I'm gonna be talking about it, that. Hey, did I exactly, ever tell you about the time I was exactly. on a road with the Lord? So I mean, this may have been something very familiar right. to them. So it's it's likely that he's the guy that really was relating this story because he's mentioned by name. They never really never mentioned the other companion no. really. But you're right, Christian. I mean, the fact that he's mentioned means that that's our source. That's yeah. the guy who tells the story, and they all witness this of course because as we read he goes before all the rest of the disciples but what's interesting about this is i thought right away in verse 16 that his eyes were prevented from recognizing him and they didn't realize that it's christ right and, and it made me think wow how human must he have looked like because when we think of the lord manifesting himself why isn't he glowing like glory or like you know how he manifested himself in the garden before peter james and and, and john and, and and you know radiating his glory he's actually veiled himself but he's in his resurrected body okay his resurrected body be, the fact that they're not re recognizing him in that body tells me that he's very human, that you, when they looked at him, he was just another guy. And it made me think of 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And it says in that, in, in that verse, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has been manifested as yet what we will be. Now, this is John saying that as children of God, it's not manifested what we will be. Then he goes on to say in that verse, we know that when he, being Christ, is manifested, we will be like him because we shall see him for just as he is. Remember, this is Jesus after the cross. This is Jesus after he has paid for our sins and he's been resurrected. He is in his resurrected body. And 1 John 3 says that we're going to be like him. He, this is a regular dude to these guys. Yeah. I know there's something supernatural here and, and the Lord is veiling him himself so they won't recognize him. And I think there's a purpose to that. And we'll yeah, get to yeah. that. But these guys are seeing just another guy. Right, right. So it tells me that our manifested, bo our, our resurrected bodies, if we're going to be like Christ, are going to be very, very human. 
And, and it goes back to what I've said always, and I may have said, even said it in this podcast. You've got to understand that Christ is God, but there's going to be a human on the throne of God for all eternity. Yeah. And it's mind-blowing to me. God in man. God with us. And there's a man going to be sitting on that throne. And here he is. A man pulls up next to these guys on a road, and he's just another guy. Yeah. If he veils that glory and keeps them from, uh, doesn't reveal who he is. And I also think about all the other scriptures that says, you know, God will reveal himself to who he chooses to reveal Mm -hmm. himself as well, too. That comes to mind when I think about this. It just makes me just appreciate the humanness of of Christ. Yeah. Even after the resurrection and and the promise that we're going to be like him, it's mind blowing to me to think that who Christ is in this in this account that we're reading is what we will be according to 1 John 3 2. Yeah, it's super interesting that that you mentioned that. I mean the 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 physical part of Jesus. I mean, these guys walked with Jesus. Like they knew Jesus. They they were with him for his whole entire ministry and the fact that at this point you would think you would think like wait a minute wait a minute there's the a wait a minute talks. moment coming yeah. there's a wait a minute moment <laughs> towards the end of this we're gonna get to that yeah but uh, like how do you not know that right off the bat yeah how do you not know your your teacher yeah this is a guy that you've been budding around with for like you know how many years three years three and a half years i mean why don't you recognize at least his gestures or his movements or something that plays into it later i think it's going to be a little bit of a surprise for our right. listeners that they do pick up on some stuff at least that's the way i read it but here's the interesting part about that christian i think it's the most one of the most profound things about this chapter why not show himself there 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 had to be more than just him just showing himself to 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 these two, uh, I think there because he was a rabbi, there was there had to be teaching behind this, and obviously we're gonna get through you know this this chapter, but you know speaking on verse sixteen, I believe it obviously was for a purpose that he prevented them from recognizing him, and I and I think about the Holy Spirit coming at the day of Pentecost to the twelve apostles, and it wasn't until the Spirit came that they finally understood everything. Um, and at this point in time, when these guys are walking in the road, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't sent yet. Um, I also think of um, when Jesus sent the 12 disciples to go out to minister two by two. It says that Jesus um, gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And my point to that, jumping back to the road to Emmaus, is that the only way for the two of these men to understand at this point in time was if Jesus gave them the ability to understand. Yeah. And so um, th- that's maybe that's maybe why they didn't recognize him, because I, I think there had to have been a... a a, a teaching behind all of this, the purpose of why, you know. Um. We'll see later on, but let me tell you what I feel it is, and I think the scriptures show us that. I think Jesus wanted to show the power and the superiority of the scriptures. Right, right. Because as I said before, Jesus could have showed up in a temple and said, guess who's back? Right. And everybody would have been dumbfounded, and they would have known it was Jesus. All he had to do was reveal himself, and, and many people who knew him would have recognized him. But he's veiling himself for a purpose, and the purpose is to elevate the Scriptures, which I love about this chapter, because that's what we do here in this in this uh, uh, podcast. Verse 17, and he said to them, What are these things that you're discussing with one another as you're walking? 
and, and that's another interesting thing about this because he's kind of he's kind of probing and asking questions and, and saying, okay, these guys are confused, these guys are debating. Let me let me pull out of them what it is that they know and they don't understand. Right. Okay. And he's and, and and it dumbfounds them so much so that they stood still. <laughs> I mean, he says that to him, and they basically stop walking, and they look sad, and they say to him, a man named Cleopas said says to him and answers them, "Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem, unaware of the things that have happened in these days?" Yeah. So they're kind of dumbfounded that some guy is walking back from Jerusalem, and there must have been many pilgrims that came for Passover in Jerusalem. I've heard numbers in hundreds and thousands, maybe even a million people that gather for that for that one Passover once a year in Jerusalem. I mean, there's a lot of people in town, and they're all going home after this. And this guy shows up, and he doesn't know what was going on. I mean, we went through it before jesus was welcomed into town as a king yeah he went into the temple disrupted everything there he was put on this mock trial by the jews and then the romans all right betrayed crucified i mean there's a lot that went on and where was this dude they're, they're asking themselves why don't you know where were you man right and and this question is a clear indication that the death of jesus on the cross was a public event that took place. No one was without word on what took place three days ago and leading up to Jesus's death on the cross. And he's being coy. And it goes back to what I was saying before, which was why I spent a little time, listeners, talking about engaging people, talking with people. Because look at the way that the Lord Jesus Christ pulls their confusion out of them and, and kind of triages the situation. He starts asking questions rather than just talking. Right. Like I said before, if you want to get across to somebody, open them up so that they talk to you. Ask them, well, how do you feel about that? Well, here he is. He's showing up at the road to Emmaus saying, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? Don't you know what's going on? And he's kind of like, you know, no, why don't you tell me about it? I mean, that's how you get people to talk. And that's why I went into this little introduction about, you know, talking and sharing the podcast, because Jesus is doing it here. He's asking probing questions. He's getting them comfortable and, dis and to, 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 to kind of reveal to him what they're what they're missing and, and what they're confused about. Right. And so, you know, these men were part of the group that were with the women at the tomb in the morning. Now the scripture says here that it's getting close to the end of the day. Okay. So these guys have got a couple of hours journey ahead of them before they get to Emmaus and they've got to be wondering, I mean, this was in the morning when these girls, these women saw Jesus and here it is almost the end of the day. We're going walking home. Mm -hmm. Where is he? Where is he? Their confusion. And that's why it says there in verse 17, they stopped when he said, what are you guys talking about? What are these words that you're discussing amongst each themselves? They stood still and they just looked sad. These are guys that are just despondent about what happened. Here was Christ. They thought he was the one. They thought he was the one that was going to come. They greeted him as a king because he was supposed to save the Jews from the Romans. And none of this happened. And they're taking their ball and they're going home and they're saying, why did we lose this game? And it's because, as we'll see as we read later on, is because they did not understand the scriptures. This is why Jesus veils himself, because he's going to dig into this, the scriptures and get into a little Bible study and show these guys that the answers are there. So after Cleopas, in verse 18, uh, stops and says, you know, where you been? Are you the only one unaware of these things? They go ahead and they proceed to start sharing the events with him. OK, and, and it highlights one thing that if you have part of the truth, 
If you have part of the theology that the Bible teaches, you don't have the whole picture, it's very dangerous. These guys were going home. They had given up. They were despondent. They were sad. They were ready to take their ball and go home. And Jesus shows up and says, what's going on, guys? What are you so upset about? What are you talking about? And and he says in verse 19, okay, uh, and he said to them, what things? This is Jesus again. What things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a mighty prophet. And that's true. What is a prophet? A prophet is someone who speaks for God. So they knew that Jesus was speaking for God. Right. But not only was he was beyond a prophet, more than a prophet, because he was mighty indeed. And we know the deeds of Christ. We've covered that in this podcast. Look at the miracles that spoke about his power, about his, his, his divine uh, uh, attributes as God. So he was a mighty prophet in deed and in word. The things that he spoke, we've, we've read this in the scriptures. I, mean, I remember one event in the scripture where they sent the guards from the temple to go arrest Jesus, and they come back and say, what happened? How come you didn't arrest him? This guy is, speaks words we've never heard before. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they couldn't arrest him because they were dumbfounded with the things that he was saying. And that's not the first time that Jesus says things and blows people away. So in verse 19, they're saying, what things? This is about Jesus of Nazarene. And they go through and they, and they describe who he was, a person who spoke for God. And they thought he was the one. And then verse 20 says, our chief priest and our rulers delivered him to sentence of death and crucified him. Interesting that they blame yeah. the Hebrews and not the Romans, yeah. here, by the way. The, I do, yeah, that, I mean, these are their own people that they're they're talking about. You know, um, it, it's not, they're not just saying, oh, the Romans crucified Jesus. They mentioned the, tree, uh, the chief priest. It was their own, these are people that are supposedly set apart for a special service, and they're the ones who delivered Jesus to, to death. But... What's interesting about that is that they fulfilled what the prophets prophets said long ago by condemning Jesus. So, I mean, it says it in, uh, I think, Acts 13, 27, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. So, I mean, that's even a prophecy in itself being fulfilled, the fact that Jesus was condemned by his own people. It's actually quite shocking that considering what it says here, that he was a mighty prophet indeed and in word and in the sight of God. And when I think about that phrase, in the sight of God, Christian, I think about the many times, definitely in the, in the, when he transfigured himself and when he was ba- being baptized, that, that God from the clouds said, here is my beloved son, listen to him. Here is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. Not everyone heard that across the board, but enough people knew that what Jesus was doing was being okayed by the yeah, Father above. Yeah. The Father above even came out vocally and said, here is my son, listen to him. I am well pleased with him. So in the sight of God, what he was doing was right. And they knew this. And it's shocking that considering that Jesus spoke openly and was acknowledged for all these things that they that he was sent by God. We know that from Nicodemus, our yeah. boy Nicodemus in chapter three of John. We know he was sent from God and they still crucified him, you know, and and. and they 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 kind of missed the whole boat about why all this suffering was going on. Their confusion and their sadness is because they have incomplete information. So all this goes down. Jesus is, goes to sentence to death. He's crucified, and they're not understanding why. And it says in verse 21, But we were hoping that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. 
And I thought right away of the podcast we did about the Bride of Christ. They, the Jews know what redeeming Israel meant. They knew that the Messiah was going to come and redeem Israel, but they did not know, like when a, 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 a bridegroom shows up for a bride, that there's a price. There is a price for redemption in Jewish culture, and it was spoken in the scriptures. They had the Old Testament, and it said that when the suffering servant comes, there's going to be a price. And here they're wondering, wow, we were hoping he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. So their theology is way off. Yeah. And, and this is what I said before, that it's so dangerous to, to think that you know what the scriptures say and having complete information because in, incomplete information will leave you with incomplete theology and an incomplete gospel. Yeah. So the Bible says in the Old Testament, their Bible at the time was saying that the, the Jesus had to suffer these things and they're wondering what happened. We thought he was going to come in glory and redeem Israel and, and rescue. Now, those things are true, but they left out the suffering part. Yeah. And why time. did they leave out the suffering part, Christian? Because they did not understand the scriptures. Mm. They had the scriptures and did not understand them. And, and it's, it, it really is a, a, a reminder for us that we've got to have complete information. We say it all the time in a podcast. What we teach here is a full and accurate understanding of the scriptures because you're not going to understand the scriptures unless it's, it's a full understanding and an accurate understanding. You can't have the half-truth. Because you can have a, a, a incomplete theology and still go to hell. Yeah. These men, if Jesus didn't show up and walked and got home that night, they would have went home with half of the theology and left out the suffering part and not realize that this is what needed to happen as we're going to see as we progress on. So it's really, it's really uh, crucial to understand just how despondent they are because this is, they're not the only ones. A lot of them thought that. Yeah. A lot of the Jews thought that this was what Jesus was going to do, that he was going to come and he was going to overthrow the Romans and everything was going to be okay. I mean, they they would argue even amongst themselves, the apostles, as to who was going to sit on his right and who was going to sit on his left. So he, they thought he was coming to establish a kingdom now. But they missed the whole suffering part, mm. which if you look at Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 talks about it very plainly. Very clearly. Very, very plainly. So it says in the, the other part of verse 21 says, so we were hoping that he was the one that would redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things, ha these things happen. And I read that as like, where is he? Right, right. So here we are. We thought he was the one. We thought he was our redeemer. We thought he was going to establish his kingdom. And here we are three days later. And where is he? And it's, and it's getting dark, by the way. Right, right. These women didn't see Jesus until this morning. So, I mean, a good day has gone by. Right. And it's going to get dark soon. And it's still like, it's the third day. Where is he? Well, and from our perspective, this affirms the truth about what Jesus was saying uh, when he kept telling his disciples um, and other people that he would have to suffer, die, and on the third day be raised. So even, even that truth that Jesus was trying to tell them before his crucifixion, He's there. It's the third day, and he's, he's walking around. And verse 22 says, but also these, they go on to tell Jesus, but also some women among us astounded us when they were at the tomb early this morning and not finding his body. They came and saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So they've been told already right. by the women that he was alive. And the women tell, told the men, hey, angels told us. That we're looking for a dead guy and he's not here no more. Especially when Jesus told us that he wouldn't be there. What are you looking for the living among the dead for? Right, right. So they heard all this and it's still like, where is he? 
We haven't seen him. It's, it's getting close to the end of the day. Where are you, Jesus? I mean, that's got to be going through their head. They got to be wondering. I mean, they're, they're on their way home, dude. In a couple hours, it's going to get dark. And in those days, there's no street lights. They're going home. And it says in verse 24, some of us went to the tomb with us. And we found it exactly as the women also said, yet they, him they did not see. All right. So this is happening in the morning and they're lacking the, the, the understanding of what was supposed to happen. And verse 25 just kind of clinches it right there. Right. And Jesus says to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, this is why Jesus was veiled. He wanted to see what. Let me see what these guys are upset about. He knows what they're upset about. He's probing, he's triaging, and he's pulling questions out of them. What is it that you think you know, guys? And he tells them in verse 25, you foolish ones and slow of heart. Now, how many people have read that and said, wow, that's kind of harsh. I mean, you and I had a conversation the other yeah. day. My wife and I were on the table with my daughter and, and Christian, and, and there's one of these apostate preachers that's doing some kind of speaking at a local concert and I went ahead and I called him an idiot. And everybody at the table said, oh, man, that's not a word to use, Alex. Why do you call him an idiot? Well, I got a new word, fool. Jesus is using it here. Can I use fool? Because fool is exactly what they called him. And let me tell you what a fool in this context means. If you have the scriptures, you're expected to know what they say. Mm. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would tell them all these things they're complaining about? We thought he was the one and now we're going home. And he said, you fools. You guys have the scriptures. Right. He, he's telling, calling them fools because you got the scriptures and you're expected to know what it says. So when I talk about apostate preachers who preach from the pulpit and preach incorrectly and teach falsehoods, I'm going to call them fools from now on. <laughs> Idiot is no longer in my vocabulary. I'm going to call him a fool because that's what Jesus does here. A fool is a person who has the scriptures and he's expected to know what, what the scriptures say and believe what they teach. And that was the problem here with these guys. Yeah. They just did not know the scriptures and they're going home wondering what happened. So it's a rebuke and it's a harsh one. And I know what new Christians reading this for the first times, or maybe even if you've been reading it for over the years, you go, ouch, verse 25, call them a fool. That's not language we expect from our master. But it shows that Jesus is saying, dudes, you've got the Bible. Why don't you know it? Why don't right. you understand it? Why don't you? You're supposed to comprehend it. You know, it's one thing not to have the Bible and not have read it and not know the gospel and being ignorant of it. That's very different than having heard the gospel and having a Bible and not understanding it. You're held accountable differently. If you have a Bible, you're expected to know what it says. And if you don't know what it says, you've got to dig in and find out, which is right. what, like I said earlier, uh, when they started debating and saying, hey, what happened here? That's why I said earlier, I said that would have been a good point right there to take out the Bible and just start <laughs> talking about you know, like the Bereans. Right. The Bereans used to check everything from Acts. Right. The Bereans used to take out their Bible when people taught anything and say, OK, let's verify this with Scripture. What is it that we're not getting here? What is it that we're not understanding? And this is what relentlessly biblical is all about. 
If you're lacking understanding about the scriptures, it's time to get the book out. Yeah. It's time to dig in and say, okay, what is it that we're confused about? Wait a second, but he said this. Why aren't they're just kind of going back and forth and Jesus is calling them fools. And not only that, he's saying you're slow of heart. That means that they're slow to even believe what the scriptures say. They believe that he was going to be a Messiah that was going to redeem them and, 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 and establish a new kingdom. But they missed the important part, the suffering servant. You notice that Jesus is not blaming the scriptures for being confusing. No. Well, I'm sorry, guys, that the Bible is so confusing. Here, let me show you what it means. Now, he's not saying that. He's saying, you fools. You're supposed to know what's t- taught there. Now, we're talking about Jewish men that grew up in a theocracy. Their, their school is not public school, where they teach the garbage that they're teaching nowadays to us. They teach people in those days right from the Bible. That's right, the right. book that they teach from. And these guys don't know that. So it may seem harsh when he says, you fools, but they've got the Bible. They have the Old Testament, and they obviously do not know it. So it's a rebuke, and I think it's a valid one. And it's interesting that Jesus veils himself and kind of probes him with questions. What is it that you guys are talking about? What is it that you don't understand? And then from verse 25 on, he just clobbers him after that and gives him scripture and shows him and lifts up the scriptures as the source to clear up that misunderstanding. And it highlights something else, Christian that there's a lot of people that approach the Bible and there's confusion about what they read. There's misunderstanding about what they read. There's, there's something not, not right about what they're reading and, 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 and making sense of it. And it brings about sadness. It brings about despair because you can get discouraged not knowing what it says. This is when yeah. you've got to reach out. You've got to reach out to your local church, of course, Bible study. This is where you've got to dig in. If we can go on YouTube when we have a DIY project to see how this comes apart or goes together and spend a few hours doing that to learn stuff from some guy who's done it on a video. If we don't understand something in the Bible, we need to dig in. Yeah. Because we're expected to know what it says. And if we have a Bible in our lives, we're expected to dig in and understand what it says and not be misinformed and be despondent like these guys are here. Yeah. Because we'll be called fools as well for having the word of God and not understanding it. Well, and it goes to show you that they, even though they had the Old Testament, they had enough to understand what was happening, you know? So it's like, it's even worse for us now because we have all of it. It's done. It's finished. God has chosen to sp- speak through his son and that's it. It's done. Like the, the scripture is written, Old and New Testament, so it's worse for us now. But even then, I mean, this shows clearly that the Old Testament was enough for them to understand what was going on at this it's point. beyond that, Christian. The Old Testament is absolutely clear. He could have blamed two people here yeah. in verse 25. The scriptures for being confusing or men for not understanding it. Yeah. I'm going with men. Not yeah, understanding no, it. I agree with and, that. And that's why fool comes out. You're a fool. Because you've got the scriptures, you've got the prophets, you've got Moses. I just think back to the the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. We've been through that story. When the rich man is in hell saying, oh, send somebody so that my family doesn't go through this. What does Abraham tell them? They got got the prop Moses, they got prophets, they got the scriptures. That's all they need, bro. And and I just want to make sure our listeners understand that. Jesus is not blaming the word of God for being confusing. And in our conversations, when we talk to people, folks, and Christian, I know you've run into this. 
when you try to witness to somebody, share your faith with somebody, engage in these conversations I was talking before to kind of get beyond the small talk. Oh, I find the Bible too confusing. Well, it's because you don't understand it. Yeah. Because the Bible's absolutely clear. Because if it was confusing, verse 25 said, oh man, I'm sorry guys that we made this so confusing for you. Mm-hmm. Let me explain it to you. But he didn't do that. He said, foolish men and slow of heart. That means that they have a Bible. They're expected to understand what it, and know what it says and believe it. And that, and that applies to us too. Yeah. And on that note, we'll take a quick break. We are privileged and excited that you joined us today. Please remember to visit our episode notes. They contain links to scripture, any information we reference during the show, and a link to join our mailing list to receive the latest show news and updates. If you want to send us your questions, provide feedback, or submit an idea for a future episode, we want to hear from you. Just use the Join the Conversation link provided to contact us. Want to get to know us better? Then we encourage you to use the Core Truth Media link provided in our episode notes to visit our coretruthmedia.org homepage. You can connect with us via social networks from that page and explore the diverse range of podcasts and high-quality content our ministry offers to those seeking to deepen their understanding of the Bible and grow in their faith. Finally, we invite you to help us communicate God's truth throughout the globe. Anyone can listen to the show for free everywhere podcasts are available. Click the listen and follow link in our episode notes and share it with your friends and family. You'll be glad you did. We appreciate your support. Now let's get back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. I just took off my, my shirt. I had a sweatshirt. I'm in my T-shirt because I broke out of sweat just before. Yo, Alex is fired up right now. <laughs> oh, yo, Luke 24 does that to me. It really does. But you had something to say about verse 25. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what Jesus says about uh, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets, all, in all that the prophets had spoken. Um, Peter makes mention of, of this, and I think it's, interesting. it's, it's, it's uh, worth bringing up. In 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, inquiring to know what time or what kind of time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he was predicting the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been declared to you through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So, I mean, it's no wonder why Jesus is like, you foolish, oh, foolish ones, right? So the prophets long to see the day where Jesus would come, die, and rise again. Um, and, and honestly, I'd like to think that if the, the Old Testament prophets were in the shoes of these two men and Jesus was walking beside them, they probably would have burst into a million pieces, kind of like, he's here. This is him. This has you know, to be him. It's interesting that you say that because <laughs> when I was preparing for this, Christian, I had the same thought. I said, let's let's run this scenario very differently. Yeah. Let's put Moses here. Let's put David here. Right, let's right. put Solomon here in the place of these men. I don't think they would have been that foolish. I think they would have said, this is exactly what we were planning for. Right, right, right. Because, I mean, these are men that God gave the task of not just establishing a nation, but creating the whole temple system that was 
a foreshadow of what Christ needed to suffer through. I think they would have recognized that we're giving more credit to these guys, you know, unfortunately, than the guys on the road to Emmaus. But assuming that they have a, a more complete understanding of what the what the Old Testament was foreshadowing about right. the suffering servant and how all these temple sacrifices was to show how how it was supposed to be a coming Messiah was to suffer this, yeah. you know, that ultimate sacrifice that once and for all. I think you're right. I think that you put some of these Old Testament saints there that would say, he's here. I mean, especially when he started to get into the next couple of verses that we're going to be getting into, when, you know, when he opens up the scripture. But I mean, the only the only other reason why I thought this, too, was because if you go into the beginning of Luke, I mean, Luke ch- uh, mentions uh, there were two people that were eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. And that was Simeon and the prophet Anna. And Simeon was so enamored at the fact that the Messiah had come that he took the child, baby Jesus, into his arms Mm -hmm. and he praised God. And then Anna comes, sees that, and she praises God, too. So they both knew. That's a great point. They both knew who this baby was. As a child, they're recognizing this is him. Right. As a matter of fact, Simeon even says this is the one that will redeem Israel. Right, right, right. And a good Jew knows what redeem means. It means it's going to come at a price. Right, right, right. We know that from Scripture, and we know that from from just studying the whole Bride of Christ. I mean, you know, the, the, the bridegroom doesn't show show up without paying the price for the bride. Verse 25 is very interesting. It's a turning point in this whole chapter for me because he he very lovingly probes and asks questions to kind of see where their misunderstanding is, where the confusion is. But he doesn't let them off the hook, Christian. No. He, he doesn't give them a break because they have an incomplete theology. He blames them for not understanding the scriptures. Here's another thing. I mean, it says in verse 25, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all. I'm going to say it again. To believe in all the prophets have spoken. Right. Not some. Right. Not just part of it, which is what they were doing. They were taking the kingdom part and saying he's quite, he's, they, they were anticipating a timeline that they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. redemption and Israel freed from the grip of Rome. But guess what? It's not your timeline. It's God's timeline. And the and, and the scriptures are absolutely clear as to what that timeline was. You just yeah. need to read it and know it. And this is why he doesn't let them off the hook. And they're fools. And that's a lesson for us, folks, because let me tell you something. If you don't have Christ in your heart and you haven't accepted him as your Savior, like we talk about all the time, that's the gospel. Repent from your sins, accept Jesus as your Savior, accept his spirit in your life to change and regenerate you, and you will be like him. You will be like this man who pulled up to these two men in your resurrected body, and you will be like him, okay, when you go into eternity because we're eternal beings. You cannot stand before God and say, well, you know what? I didn't really under- understand the scriptures. Yeah, there's no way. That part was kind of <laughs> confusing. Nah. Because you're going to be a fool then, too. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to seem overly harsh, but I don't want to o- also gloss over this. Because if you have an incomplete theology, you need to get it straight. Because when you stand before the Lord and you're judged for what you know biblically, you better know the Bible. And it, guess what? It requires time invested in it and knowing and understand and a desire to know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And that desire only comes from a regenerate heart. Being born again will give you the love and the desire you need to go in there and dig and say, I don't understand. 
I'm like the the man who brought his son to, to the Lord. He said, I'm unbelieving. Help me to be more believing, you know, yeah. come to the Lord and say, I don't understand. Show me what this means. And you and you'd be surprised because it actually happened to me today. You'd be surprised on questions that you have when you read this word. Like I, I've had questions like a year ago about some something in particular. And now that I'm, you know, digging even further into the Bible, those questions are answered. So, I mean, the Lord will definitely like, you know, if you have questions on, on the word of God, just keep reading. You probably will come up across the answer if you keep digging into the scripture. Absolutely. You know, at the core truth website, core-truth.org website, there's a, a quote from John MacArthur that sits very prominent on the homepage, and it's for good reason. And, and I actually got it from reading Luke 24. John MacArthur says that the greatest service that you can render to anyone is to give them an understanding of the Scripture. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's probing these guys. He's, he's trying to understand what it is that they got wrong, although he knows, but he's, he's pulling from them their confusion and telling them, look, guys, it's, it's been there all along. You just don't understand it and you don't believe it. Yeah. He's, he's not saying that the scriptures are the problem. He's saying you are the problem. A and he shows up and he does exactly what John MacArthur says, that he's, he's doing them a service by saying, let me open up your understanding of the scripture. Because beginning, as we see in verse 27, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So the greatest service that you can render to anyone is to open up their understanding of the scriptures. That's why yeah. these conversations, when you engage people, are so important. Some of the conversations I got engaged with with some of the young people in our family up in Boston was their misunderstandings of what the scripture was saying. And I spent a lot of time saying, no, it really doesn't say that. It says this. You should go here and read it because you're not clear about what you're understanding. And don't continue on in that error. Because it's it, it's dangerous. Yeah. We're talking about uh, life or death here. Your eternal life hangs on the fact of what your biblical knowledge is. Well, one, th one key thing that I, I think we can't forget is the fact that the Spirit of God also plays a role in understanding and, and accepting who Christ is and understanding the scriptures as well. Um, because I, I just, I'm, I'm reading, uh, here about, um, you know, slow of heart to believe it. And all the prophets have spoken. I mean, like you said, they grew up, they were kids. They, they knew they, they when they studied, they studied Torah, you know, that was their, their thing. Um, and I, I just find it very interesting how, when Peter, remember when Peter was filled with the spirit of God at the day of Pentecost, he opened, he, he begins a sermon. Right. He does the, the sermon at, at Pentecost and he opens the sermon with this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And he began to interpret to everyone the Old Testament scriptures about the day of Pentecost and Jesus because of the spirit of God. And so I, I just I'm curious to to know what the relation is to that. I know that the Spirit of God obviously is our advocate, he's our helper, he's our teacher, but I wonder if that's why maybe they couldn't 
understand so much so i mean there's plenty of times where you know he's with his disciples he's like do you guys not understand what i'm trying to tell you oh no he used to get frustrated you, I know? Say, you can <laughs> like, hear it in his voice when yeah, you read like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna die i'm gonna die i'm gonna suffer i have to suffer and then i'll be raised verse 26 look at what it says christian you're you're knocking on the door of this it says was it not necessary for the christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory right i mean he's asking them wasn't this necessary yeah. And you talk about Peter. I mean, when Peter in Matthew 16 goes to the Lord and tries to prevent him from going to the cross, he tells him, get thee behind me, Satan. Right. I mean, to observe Peter and his incomplete understanding of what Jesus was trying to do caused a rebuke from the, from the Lord to say, you know, to Satan, he was speaking to the spirit that was motivating him saying, you know, devil, get out my way. Yeah. You're not understanding what I'm doing here. So the same rebuke came Peter's way. Yep. When he tried to stop Christ from going and going to the cross, he became a stumbling block, a stumbling block to Christ himself. Yeah. And why? Not because Peter's a bad guy. He had an incomplete understanding of what the scriptures foretold. And Jesus says it very clearly in verse 26. Was it not necessary for these things to happen for for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? I mean, he's sitting there in his glorified body talking to them he's alive again now they don't know that it's him at this point but we know that as a reader he's in his glorified body saying he's there in his glory so you know even peter was confused about that stuff so what does he do christ and this is so beautiful verse 27 so beginning with moses and with all the prophets he interpreted to them all the things concerning himself in the scriptures and he did that because you know what the greatest service that you can render to anyone is to give them an understanding of the scripture. That's right. And we know that the scripture is all about him. He said it himself, seek the scriptures because they speak about me. So they should have known what was going to happen. They should have know, known that these things were supposed to happen. And he shows up on the road to Emmaus with, with, I've said this before in a podcast, I know I have, with the most awesome Bible study in history. Because <laughs> he goes from Moses and goes through all the prophets and interprets to them exactly everything concerning himself in the scriptures. I mean, you can go all the way back to Genesis. Yes. He's the bruised heel that's going to be the seed from the woman that's going to stomp on, on Satan. He's that, he's that lamb being sacrificed at the temple day after day, year after year. He's that lamb caught in a thicket. Yep. That's a substitute for Isaac. Yep. When Abraham is told to kill his beloved son. He's the uh, serpent that uh, you look upon and you he know, told you'll that be to healed. Nicodemus. I mean, you can go on and can you imagine being in the presence of our Lord and getting a survey of the Old Testament? Dude, that from Bible him? study would have been dope. Yo, sign me <laughs> up. <laughs> Sign me up. Just for that moment in time, that would have been really cool. And it's interesting. We're going to get into it later, but but it is exciting. And you're going to see just how exciting it was. These guys, I mean, it says later on, their hearts were on fire. Okay? But let me tell you something. It may be the Lord Jesus Christ saying these things, walking them through the scriptures, but they don't know it's him. Right. This could be you. Yeah. This could be anybody mm -hmm. with knowledge of the scriptures taking two men through the Old Testament and the New Testament, because that's what we have now, saying, look, here are the scriptures. This is exactly what it, this all means. Yeah. You can get the same results, guys. All you got to do is just pop that book open, crack it open, and say, let me show you. Yep. 
and okay? understand it. Yeah. And that's the beauty, I think, of how Jesus is veiled here. They still don't know that it's him. They still don't know that it's him. And what does Jesus decide to do? He decides to walk him through the scripture. Now, I'm going to pull up my soapbox now. Well, before you, before you, before <laughs> you do, before you do, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah, before you do, so I, I would, <laughs> you know, he obviously is interpreting to them the things concerning himself and all of the scripture. And it, it makes me think like, were they so focused on the ruling Jesus, the, the, the Jesus that would come for justice and, and wipe away the, you know, the, the, the people that were ruling over them that they missed the fact that Zechariah talks about that, behold, your king is coming to you, Zechariah 9.9. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, lowly and mounted on a donkey. Do they forget that that's what's written in, 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 uh, in Zechariah? And how it, it's not this king who's like gonna be coming. I mean, Jesus said it himself, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. You know, and so Jesus very, very well knew and understood his assignment. Um, and the prophets spoke about this. Yes, he's a king, but he's lowly and mounted on a donkey. Yeah, there's a lot of proof in the Old Testament. Yeah. These guys should have known. And they're being held accountable for not knowing. Yeah. Which would yeah. make them fools. And I don't want anyone in our audience to be a fool. Get your Bible and read it and understand it. You don't want to be a fool in the eyes of Christ because it's all there. The, the scriptures are clear. They're not unclear. They're clear. Yeah, they're very clear. If you're unclear, then you need to dig in. You need to really open up your understanding more. And that's what we're here doing. Try to hold, help you do that. And there's other resources out there that you can tap into. Now, let me get my soapbox yeah, out. <laughs> because beginning with the verse 7, beginning with the uh, Moses and the prophets, and we talked about the... Um, you mean verse 27? 27, okay. yes. Verse 27, and we talked about the rich man and Lazarus. So here, here we have an example. He, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, man. He could have used any tool in his arsenal to make these guys understand. What does he do? He whips out his Bible. Mm. He whips out the Old Testament. And I get so mad when I see these preachers substitute the scriptures at the pulpit for something else. Mm. You hear me? Mm -hmm. This is why 24 in Luke to me has been so important, because when I realized this in my ministry, I pivoted and I said, I'm not doing that because if it's okay for the Lord to exposit the scripture and hold it up that high and say, this is the only thing you need to understand, then that's what I'm going to do. I don't need a Ferrari on the stage talking about how life is like looking in the rearview mirror. I don't need somebody shooting a bow at a target to make a biblical point or showing me movies from Hollywood and saying, this is how it relates to the gospel. That's garbage. Yeah. Jesus didn't do that here. He grabbed his Bible and he said, look, guys, this stuff was supposed to happen and you should have known it. Let me show you. And we got preachers at the pulpit wasting our time giving us incorrect information, incorrect theology, because somehow they feel the scriptures are not sufficient. For Jesus, it was. Yeah. Wow. And I get a little angry at that because that's you have to understand, people, and I, and I apologize for my passion, but... I started my ministry as a pastor in churches like these that treated the scriptures that way. And, and Luke 24 turned me around. When I saw that Jesus, he was an expositor, 
that he exposited the scripture word for word, that he made sure that he knew that these guys understood all of the scriptures. I looked at the preachers that were around me who were not expositing the scriptures, but peppering it with their own theologies and their own motivation. I said, I can't do that anymore. And this is where I went on my own. Mm. And I started my own ministry because we, we, we always promote expositing the scriptures, reading it verse by verse, chapter by chapter to get its context, to understand the people, to understand what God is saying. We have a commitment and it's something you'll find on our website and I'll put a link to it as well. But our commitment to biblical teaching is centered on a theological and biblical exposition. That means that we exposit what the scriptures say. We, When you see a preacher stand up at the pulpit, he's supposed to be reading from the scripture telling you what God said, not what he said. Amen. And this approach is crucial for establishing and reinforcing a high view of scriptures, which is what Jesus is doing here on the road to Emmaus. He's lifting up the scriptures and he's saying, this is the standard, guys. You need to understand and you need to know that. And that standard goes beyond teaching the Bible using stories and narratives. Instead, it involves sequentially reading the scriptures with purpose, providing a deeper and more comprehensive understanding of the text. Because when you do that, you assure that theological truth is identified. Biblical principles and doctrine are drawn out of the text, and that biblical teachings have been clearly defined and explained. You only do that with expository preaching and with expository reading. I mean, just reading the scriptures the way it's supposed to be read. Teaching scripture is supposed to communicate what God intends for the reader or the listener to to, to hear, not what some guy contrives out of it or pulls out of it to make his own message. And that's my soapbox. And I'm passionate about that because, Christian, you know what? It's everywhere. Yeah. Unfortunately. I can walk into most churches and this is what you get. Some guy gets up on a pulpit and he's not doing what Christ is doing here. He's using something else beside the scripture to make his point. Jesus used the scripture and he took these guys through all of it and said, look, let me show you everywhere in the Old Testament where I'm at. And you guys should have known this because it's all there. It's 100% crystal clear. And I've had pastors, pastors tell me, well, that's confusing to people. That's not, that's not something they're going to understand. We don't want to scare them away. We've all heard this. Oh, boy. They're poor excuses for people who don't want to dig in. And I know our listeners are not like that or they wouldn't be listening. And I want you guys to share that passion with, passion with everybody else and understand this, that it is sufficient. The mm-hmm. word is sufficient. And Jesus is telling us here that it's sufficient. It's more than enough or Jesus would not have used it. And that only. Even when he rebuked the devil, he rebuked him with scripture. Yeah. He didn't zap him with a bolt of lightning. He could have done anything to him, throw him off the temple. Instead, he gave him scripture because it is sufficient. And that's what I get from this. That's, that's really a deep message here that really changed my life. And I hope that you guys are getting my passion and understanding where I'm coming from there. And I, and I know I, I can be rough on some of these preachers, but it's out there, folks. It's out there. And, and you know what? You can't stand, like we said before, you can't stand before the Lord and say, I didn't understand. If you got a preacher that's not making this clear, talk to him and say, you got to make it clear, Mr. Preacher. And if he's not making it clear, making it clear for you, then you need to walk and find someplace else where you're going to make it. They're going to make it clear. And not only that, I mean, you have the Bible yourself that you could dig into it during the week. It's not just relying on the preacher to help you understand it. It's like if you have the spirit of God living in you, if you have a personal relationship with Christ, then when you're reading the scripture, your heart is going to desire to know what the scripture says and you know, who Jesus is and who God is. You're going to want to know. I mean, it's like, how can you have a relationship with someone and not know more about them? 
We got to be like the Bereans in Acts. Um, we've got to take everything that is being taught to us and and check it against Scripture. And I did a blog about that. I'll put that in our show notes as well, too. But people, I want you to be diligent because we love you and we don't want you guys to be fooled on the road right. to Emmaus, confronted by Christ, being asked, it's all there, guys. Why didn't you get it? You can. And Christian, you're absolutely right. We go to church one day a week. Some of us go on Wednesdays for Bible for, for a prayer meeting or other events. But for the most part, most people don't pick up their Bible until Sunday. Don't be one of those people. Pick it up every day. I know it's a challenge, but we're talking about eternal consequences here. Don't be a fool like these men. Be someone who's informed and have a full understanding of everything that the Scripture says. So let's move on to verse 28. And as they approach the village, all right, so we, beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus does the most awesome Bible study in history. You know, I thought about this, too. You know how people say, hey, what historical event would you like to go back to? This is one for me. Yeah, it's a good one. I'd like to be there for those couple of hours that they're walking on the road to Emmaus and listening to that Bible study. I definitely would like to. If they said you can be there somewhere for just two hours anywhere in history, that would be definitely one of the places. So verse 28, and they approached the village and where where they were going, which is Emmaus. And Jesus, he acted as though he was going further. Okay, remember, they don't recognize who he is yet. And so at verse 29, it says, But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. Urged him strongly. Stay with us. For it is toward evening. It's getting dark. And the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. They urged him strongly. You know why? Because they were fired. They were getting fired up. They're like me, sweating right now. <laughs> because they're hearing this word and they're saying, This is amazing. We didn't get this. Mm. We never saw it this way. Oh, this dude's got to stick around. Please don't go. stay with us. This is what's happening here. They wanted to know more because that hunger was kindled in them to know more. See, these these are Jewish men that know the Bible. These are not men that don't believe the Bible. They believe right, the Bible. Right. They believe in God. They believe in the scriptures. They just didn't understand them. And here comes this guy on the road and he clears it all up from, oh, no, you're not going home. You're coming with us. <laughs> That's what's happening here. So that fire inside them, their hunger for the word is getting kindled, and they're urging him very strongly. They understand that now joy, this despondency that they had, that they stopped. Yeah, they were saddened. And, and they were saddened, and they said, don't you know what happened? Now they're like, oh, no, you ain't. You got to come with us. <laughs> this is awesome. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah. That's what's going on here. And I'd be doing the same thing too, Christian. If my mind was open up like that, I mean, blown. I wouldn't be letting that guy go either. Luckily for them, the day was nearly over and it was getting dark. So, you know, he feigned like he was going to go further, but he knew what they were going to do and they invited him in. Verse 30. And it happened that when he reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it. And after breaking it, he gave it to them. So this is interesting. This a little time has passed here, obviously, because now they're sitting at the table. They're spending some time together. I'm sure the conversation continued because that's why they didn't want him to go. Right. And he agreed to go in with him. So I'm sure more conversation happened. And these guys are like I am right now, breaking up into the sweat. (laughs) My T-shirt is they're not thinking about food. And here Jesus is saying, let me start breaking some bread because these guys ain't going to eat until I shut up. Yeah. And you know why I say that? Because when would you ever go into someone's home for dinner and then you walk up to the stove and you start serving everybody? It's stupid. You don't do that. <laughs> Somebody invites you to dinner. You sit down. They serve you. Right, 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 right. 
the hosts are the ones that break bread when they invite someone into their home. That's interesting. These guys are so caught up in like feeding off of the Lord that they can't even think about eating. I think the Lord broke bread here because if I don't break bread, these guys aren't going to eat. I'm, dude, I'm not hungry right now just doing this. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? Their hunger was somewhere else. And it took a guest in their home to take the bread and say, okay, guys, I think it's time to eat. That's how I see this. And that's, a, that's actually a very, very good point. Because, I mean, I, I thought to myself, how does someone come into your house and, like, serve you dinner? He's a guest. And we're talking about guys that have, you know, the Jewish culture. They have traditions. And you don't—you sit down at someone and you're a guest. They treat you like a king. You know, no, don't move. Sit down. Let me take care of this for right, you. Let me right. serve you. Is that enough? Or the— this is what should be going on, man. These guys are like, no, no, you ain't going nowhere. It's dark. You're going to stay here. We want more. And Jesus is showing them a little mercy and saying, okay, guys, it's time to eat. And so what does Jesus do? And this is also very interesting because it goes back to what you were saying before. So he took the bread and blessed it. And after break, breaking it, he gave it to them. Now, let me ask you something. If these are guys that have been with the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry, and you're not recognizing him. Right. Dude, when he's praying, there's got to be something right. that you're picking up here. Yep. Glad there's you're going <laughs> that direction. Right, right. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ, you may not recognize because he's veiled from you and you're not recognizing him as Jesus, the resurrected Christ. But the moment that he says, Father, thank you for this, because you know he's going to thank the Father. <laughs> How many times have they heard that? Yep. Dude, their eyes, I think, started opening up a little bit at this point. Well, it must have. It must have. If you heard Jesus pray a, a thousand times, of course, when the man's breaking bread and praying at your table, you're like, wait a second, this is kind of familiar. I mean, well, it's speculation on my part, but well, it's kind of fun to think about that. Well, no, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't think it's speculation because if you continue going, verse 31, it wasn't until here that their eyes were open and they recognized right, him. Right, because in the, in the following verse, verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then poof, he vanished from their sight. So to your point, to your point about yo, yo, watching yo. Jesus break bread, blessing it, and then after breaking it, he gave it to them and then their eyes were opened. You know, it, it's so... It's so interesting that it wasn't until Jesus broke the bread that they finally realized who they were sitting with. They must have eaten with him a bunch of times. Well, no. Think about this. There were two. Where, 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 what were the other two occasions where Jesus actually blessed food in front of them and broke bread? At the upper room. And the feeding of the 5,000. That's true. And, so, and, he, and he blessed the food every time he did it. That's right. And multiple other occasions that the Bible sure, don't talk about. These sure. guys ate together every day. Right. Dude, I've, I heard you pray a bunch of times. Once you start opening your mouth and my I eyes close, I know it's you. <laughs> but, but think about this. Like if you, okay, so if you fast forward to the, the, the book of Acts where you get into like, you know, uh, the spirit already came and all that stuff. Breaking bread was a custom in, in the early church because of Jesus. And it was a part of their fellowship. In, in the early church. So we now break communion in church, right? Um, so, and, and if you really think about it, Jesus throughout his ministry made references to bread. And maybe that's why it wasn't until this point, maybe. And that's why it wasn't until the, this point that he finally recognized that. I know. Recognized when you read scripture, it doesn't matter what you think. It's what the scriptures say that right. matters. But let me tell you what I think. 
okay? And on a rare occasion that I do that, but I mean, it, it, the, the scripture's clear. He veiled these men from seeing who he was, but I think the veil began to drop a little bit. I mm-hmm. think he, I think he may have dropped it, not all at once, but like, okay, I'm going to, these guys are going to definitely pick up on some cues here. I'm going to let them because they're familiar with this. They know, they know how I pray and they know how I, they know how I roll. And, and, and at that moment, poof, the jig is up and he's out of there. Right. Right. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Uh, well, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it past it that that's exactly what happened. And he's starting to let go of that veil a little bit. And these guys are going to recognize me as soon as I open up my mouth and pray because they've seen me do it like a thousand times. Right. And, and not just pray, just like breaking bread with these men. I mean, Jesus references in John that he's, what does he say? I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So the fact that you were mentioning um, the, the the idea of like, they were so like fired up that Jesus had to break the bread for them. Then he wasn't even the host. Yeah, they weren't interested in eating. Right. I mean, they were literally getting fed from the bread of life. Look, I've been at plenty of Bible studies where like people just want to go on and on. I guess we should break now because I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Let's go to verse 32 because now he does this whole poof thing and disappears after he breaks the bread and they recognize him. They finally yeah. know who he is after being turned on with all this scripture that is just blowing their mind. And look at what they say to one another. Wow, did you see how this guy just vanished? He must be an alien. No, it doesn't say (laughs) that. It doesn't say that. And the reason I joke about that is because they're not amazed with the fact that the guy just vanished. vanished. (laughs) That's true. What are they amazed about? Were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road and opening the scriptures to us? Yeah. So the miraculous Christ just poofs right in front of their eyes. And that's not what they're talking about. They're saying, yo, that word was awesome. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Goes to show you the power of the scriptures, that the Lord Jesus Christ can be sitting right in front of you, break a little Italian bread with you, and next thing you know, <laughs> poof, he's gone. And you're like, yo, that Bible study was on the money. Well, I mean, the parable <laughs> that you brought up where La, uh, uh, the rich man Lazarus was like, go uh, raise someone up from the dead or, or raise me out from the dead to go. He's like, that's not going to work. Dead man ain't going to convince nobody. Right. And so... The, the, uh, and he was a dead man risen. Right, right, right. Amazing. Right. right. So it, it goes to show you that when you open up someone's understanding of the scripture, this is the burning that was in within them. They were so fired up that they finally clicked for them that the Lord Jesus Christ, well, a stranger up to that point, yeah, up until the point he broke the bread, this stranger comes along that stranger could be you people opening up someone's understanding to the scripture and taking them from sadness to joy just with the word of God and you can poof right in front of somebody after sharing the gospel and they'll still be fired up about the fact that they understand the gospel. <laughs> right. Because that's what's important here. Yeah. I know I joke about it, but I think you understand what no, I'm saying that makes, here. Yeah, that makes sense. There's nothing mentioned here about the fact that he, de- you know, dematerialized like on some Star Trek right. episode. You know what I mean? They're like, wow, this, this, this word was awesome when he was speaking to us on the road. I was getting it, dude. I mean, our minds were open to what he was saying. I mean, the scriptures were opening up to us. These are men who've spent a lifetime studying Torah and the Old Testament. And now they're getting it. Yo, him vanishing from sight. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's secondary to the fact yeah. that I, now I get this. Now right. I understand why this sadness needs to go away. Now I understand how truth can can spark this joy in me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because now I understand it. And this is what we come to the table with, Christian, when we present the scripture. We, we come into a world that's utterly dark with people who are despondent about their lives, not understanding the purpose of things. And right. we have an opportunity to have conversations with these people and ask them about themselves, invite them into a conversation where they're listening to us, which is what Jesus did here. Yeah. Invited them in with questions. and What's going on, guys? What are you confused about? What are you sad about? We can do this. And then open up their understanding to the scriptures with the knowledge that we have and look at the joy that we can give to people. That's right. Jesus didn't do anything here that none of us can do, that any one of us cannot do. And we know he's capable of much more. But what did the Lord of the universe decide to do? I'm going to make scripture a priority here because that's all they need to get them from, from sadness to joy, from misunderstanding to understanding. Yeah. From confusion to to just utter joy and understanding what God is doing in their life. It, it's an amazing piece of scripture. And I hope you guys are getting my excitement here because, I mean, the word is all you need. Yeah. And for people to discard it and to substitute it is ridiculous. Jesus didn't and neither should we. They're saying there's a burning inside of them, and this is the kind of knowledge that the scriptures produce. The knowledge of the scripture produces joy, people. You just got to put it out there and be bold about it. So what do they do so we can finish up here? Uh, verse 33, and then they stood up because Jesus is gone at this point. Yeah. Okay, He kind of poofed into materialized into thin air, which, which is, I'll say something about that. God is something beyond us. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, he is fully man and fully God at the same time. And there will be a man in, in, for all eternity sitting on the throne of God. But make no mistake. He's this interdimensional being that surpasses anything that we can comprehend. Our finite minds cannot understand who Jesus is. And the fact that he can just dematerialize in front of your eyes like that shows you the kind of power that Jesus has. This is God, people, and he's alive. Yeah. He's no longer in that tomb. He's alive. Amen. And these guys are realizing not that he's alive, but why? He's alive because these things needed to happen. From that point forward, Christian, I'm sure they were digging into the scriptures like profusely and just eating it like 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 a sandwich. Because now, if we didn't if we didn't understand this, that means there's more that we missed. Right, right, right. Okay. So they verse 33. They stood up that very hour and they returned to Jerusalem. Now it's dark. Now they don't even care that it's dark anymore. Like we're out of here. They didn't even wait till morning. They were that fired up. <laughs> they were like, we're leaving now. Dude. And found a, ga- a gather together the eleven, which are the apostles, and and those with them who were saying and who were saying that the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon because by then he had already appeared right. to Simon and they were relating their experience on the road and how he recognized them with the breaking of the bread right which is why I re- which is why I mentioned the whole breaking bread because I think that's significant to how they recognize Jesus. I mean, it wasn't until that point. And I mean, and thir- verse 35 just expresses that even more so. So this is very interesting um, there that I'd like to do a little more digging on. Well, the road to Emmaus is a deep ocean. It really is. Like a lot of the scripture is, but I mean, 
Jesus is an expositor. And when it comes to preaching, he's an expositor. And I always encourage people when they say, hey, what kind of church should I be looking for? Look for a church that exposits the scripture. Yeah. You want a pastor that gets up on Sunday at that pulpit and reads verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Because that's what Jesus did. And if it's good for him, it should be good for anybody else. Any, anyone else substituting that or doing any different, you need to check up from the neck up. You need mm. to do like the Bereans do. Check against scripture what they're teaching and verify what they I mean, the Bereans did that with Paul. And we know how amazing Paul was with his epistles and his teaching. And they were checking him. This is what we're supposed to do. We're accountable for what we know about the scripture. If you have a Bible, you're accountable for knowing what's in it. Yeah. Not only just knowing it, but believing it. So if you have questions about anything related to the scriptures, our email and our contact information is in the episode notes. Reach out to us, please. And be bold. Be inquiring. Draw people to yourself. You don't need to know them. These guys didn't know who this stranger was on the road. And he triaged the situation and started asking questions. Hey, guys, what's going on? What are you talking about? And how did you feel about that? And, right. and you know, what does that, you know, and ask people questions and draw them into you. Make them comfortable with you so that you can share your heart like we're sharing with you here. And turns people's sadness into joy. We have that power. It's an mm -hmm. amazing, amazing privilege that we have to be sharing this, this word of God with people. Look at how we can set people's souls on fire. And get them fired up about the Lord. So true. Considering all the garbage that's out there and the stuff that's, that's circulating that, that, that we're being bombarded with. I mean, we've got power in our hands to, to, to brighten people's, take them out from darkness into light. So get out there, people. I just, if you get one thing from, from this scripture is, you know, from, from message from me, hopefully you got this teaching and understand why we hold the scriptures in such high regard, because that's what Jesus did. But, but, but take a, a take, take some advice from me and go out there and be bold. Yeah. And pe don't be ashamed to talk about the gospel. Like Paul says in Romans, don't be ashamed of it. I mean, it's a matter of life and death, you know? And that's all I had to say about that, man. I, that, that, I was, couldn't wait to bite into this. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We've talked about it enough. We have. That it's probably overdue that we covered it. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that. You got anything else to add to that, my brother? I mean, no, that's great. I mean, just uh, uh, dig into the scripture. I mean, Jesus did it with these guys. Dig into it. There's so much more there. I mean, you said it. Uh, they probably went back to the scriptures to try to find more. To try yeah, to find more. Yeah, they, they probably started a podcast right after that, like we did, and said, okay, we're going to go out there and we'll put this message out there. But relentlesslybiblical.com is .com or .org. Relentlesslybiblical.org is where we will find our, our podcast audio site. So go ahead and share that. There's, there's, there's plenty of information there that, that sometimes we time crunch when we meet people and things pull us in different directions, you know. Go there and say, hey, go to this website and listen to some of this. If you don't have a Bible, go get them one. I've got a few in my office, as a matter of fact. Um, they're, they're Bibles that, that, that people use to do like a daily reading, to read the Bible in a year. I keep several of them in my office because if someone says, I don't have a Bible and they want one, I'll send it to them. I mean, that's the, the best thing you can do for somebody is open up their understanding to the Scripture. So I hope that you guys are doing that, not just here in this country, but around the world where everybody's listening. And I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here. And I'm glad that you're not in the studio with me because I'm sweaty and probably stinky. <laughs> but I get fired up about this stuff, folks. So you go out there and get fired up as well, too. And we'll see you guys next month. God bless you. God bless you. And we'll see you in for the next episode. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that we have been an encouragement to you. This episode has been made possible by listeners like you. 
please consider partnering with us through your prayers and gifts. Your support enables us to provide sound biblical teaching that helps others open up their understanding of the scriptures across the globe. To support the show financially, click the Donate Now link in the episode notes, or you can visit our podcast website at relentlesslybiblical.org and use a donate link in the podcast player or the Support This Show button that's on our homepage. Thank you for your gracious support. Join us again for our next episode, and remember to always be in God's Word and stay relentlessly biblical. This episode has been a production of Core Truth Media, owned and operated by Core Truth Ministries. This podcast was recorded and engineered at Prevail Studios.